today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. You do realize, of course, that there are times when you are doing the exact will of God in your life. You see his hand of of miracles working in the direction that you're going, and the enemy comes at you so hard, the persecution comes on you so hard, trials come into your life that you can't even begin to imagine, but yet you're still doing the will of God. God! I'm doing what I thought you told me to do. Why is this so hard? Why am I struggling so much in this? It's because the enemy is trying to hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. One of the last things we expect whenever we respond to a call of ministry or servitude to the Lord is to be met with resistance. More often than not, whenever we're 100% certain our call is from God, we tend to expect an easy path to success. However, in today's message, Pastor David reminds us that our enemy seeks to discourage us from serving the Lord. In our study, we learn about the spiritual battle that takes place in each and every one of our lives when we strive to further God's kingdom. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Standing in Hope. We read in Acts now chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, that they came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, this is where the confusing part. Remember, we just got through with studying the books of First and Second Timothy, Timothy being a pastor in Ephesus. Well, this is the beginning of Timothy's ministry, the beginning of Timothy's time with Paul, and this is where we're at. He's now part of this missionary team. He's gonna be gaining his training not only as a missionary, but simply as a servant of God to the church of God as he's traveling with the apostle Paul. Verse five tells us that that the churches were strengthened, they were blessed, and they were encouraged as this ministry team ministered to them along the route. It was during this time that Paul and the ministry team, they desired to go north into the Asia Minor area, to go up into the province of Bithynia. But in some way, the Holy Spirit did not permit them. It's at this point that I'm reminded of Proverbs 16, 9, that it's in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So here's the first lesson for today I want you to hold on to. How many times do we find ourselves beating our heads against the door, trying to get through, when in reality, it's God who's closed the door, desiring that we go, a different route. I'm certain that at that particular time, Paul didn't understand all that was going on. 
He was a godly man seeking to, again, follow the Lord's direction in his life. And it said that he tried to go north, that there was a certain effort that he had to go north to do the right thing, to, again, proclaim the message of the hope of the gospel to the Gentiles up in that area. Paul was doing a godly and a right thing. But God said, no, I don't want you going there. I tell people one of the reasons why you have a pastor with a very high forehead from hitting my head against that wall so many times where God says, no, I don't want you to go, but it looks so good, Lord. It looks like the right thing. And he's saying, no, 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 we don't know how the Holy Spirit hindered him, but the Holy Spirit hindered him and kept him from going up there. So now instead of ministering in Asia, they actually traveled all the way through Asia. They arrived at the port city of Troas, and it's here that the Lord gave Paul a clear understanding of where he was to go with the gospel. Look down in verse nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul and the ministry team, they now set sail again to the province of Macedonia. After going through a couple of other small cities, they arrived at Philippi. Philippi was a major city of Macedonia at that time. It was a Roman colony. And here they stayed for several days. And again, if you've read the book of Acts, you're reminded of the meeting, the woman Lydia sharing the gospel with her, baptizing her and her whole household. We see a great move of God going on. That's found in verses chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. Well, during that time, there in Philippi, a demon-possessed girl started following behind Paul and Silas and the team. And down in verse 17, we read that she begins proclaiming out, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Paul didn't need a PR team, uh, particularly a demon-possessed PR team, if you know what I mean. Uh, and, and here this woman just continued this and continued this. I love what it says there in the second half of verse 18. But Paul was greatly annoyed. You know, you, you know, you can be spiritual and be annoyed at the same time. Paul was greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Well, that was great for the young woman. Man, the demons were gone. But you know what? For the guys that owned her or controlled her, suddenly that was a pretty big economic hit for them. And so because they used to gain money or make money off of this woman, I don't know what it was, maybe telling fortunes or some other thing, we don't know. But because now they weren't able to do that, they trumped up charges against Paul and Silas and the team. And Paul and Silas, they were arrested, they were beaten and thrown in prison. Second lesson this morning, I want you to understand. You do realize, of course, that there are times when you are doing the exact will of God in your life. You see his hand of of miracles working in the direction that you're going, and the enemy comes at you so hard, the persecution comes on you so hard, trials come into your life that you can't even begin to imagine but yet you're still doing the will of God. God, I'm doing what I thought you told me to do. Why is this so hard? 
Why am I struggling so much in this? It's because the enemy is trying to hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. Just because it's smooth sailing, folks, doesn't mean that that's the exact way that God wants you to go. As a matter of fact, as we look at this, we find out almost just the opposite. The rest of Acts 16 tells us that Paul and Silas, they went into the prison, and yet they continued to praise God even as the other prisoners were listening. Lesson number three, the unbelieving world around you does listen and does watch how you and I respond to the difficulties in our lives. You might think they don't hear when I try to share with them the gospel. They don't hear when, they, when I try to share with them the hope that's within me. But you know what? They are hearing and they are listening and they are watching your life. And how you respond to the difficulties of your life makes a big difference in how they respond to the wooing and to the call of God in their life. Are they going to hear and see us praise God even in the times of darkness? Or will they simply hear and see us curse the darkness as we allow the circumstances surround and control us? Well, at midnight, during this time of praise and worship, the Lord brought about an earthquake that opened up the prisoners' doors, released all of their chains, and yet all of the men stayed right where they were. The prison guard understood what was going on. He started to take out his sword and kill himself. Paul cries out from the depths of the prison, says, no, don't do that. We are all here. Now, here is where the powerful part comes in. Look down in verse 29. It says that then... The jailer called for a light. He ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why was that there? Because Paul and Silas responded to the circumstances that they were in, not by moaning and groaning and cursing the darkness, but by giving praise and worship to God, even in the midst of the chains, even in the midst of the difficulty and the trial that they were going in, they continued to praise God. And that made such a powerful impact on that jailer's life that he comes running to them. What must I do to be saved? Guys, how you and I respond to the difficulties in our lives makes a huge difference in people's lives. Will our neighbors, will our friends, will our family, even our enemies, as they're watching us, how will they see us deal with our situations? You can bet their eternal life that it does make a difference how you and I respond to the difficulties of our lives. After they were released from prison, the city magistrates requested, okay, we release you guys. Would you mind leaving? So Paul and Silas and most of the missionary team left Philippi. Uh, Verse 40 says they went out of the prison and they entered the house of Lydia. When they had uh, seen the brethren, they encouraged them and then they departed. And that brings us to chapter 17. 
Now, as Paul and the others head out of Philippi, verse one says, they, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. You were wondering if we were ever gonna get to Thessalonica, right? Okay, they're, they're now in Thessalonica. And there was a synagogue there of the Jews. And when Paul, as his custom was, went into them for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and raise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. Well, here we are. We're in Thessalonica. Well, better yet, Paul and the ministry team. They're in Thessalonica. The reason I took such a circuitous route to get there is to help you to understand a couple of things. Just what we've seen already. Number one, if we are willing, God will direct our paths and lives for his glory. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord, and he will direct your paths. The second thing that hopefully you've seen, sometimes even as we're doing his will, our lives can face some really traumatic events, even when we're doing the right thing. Thirdly, how we respond to these events and these situations will be a witness to the world around us. Even if they don't listen to the gospel as we speak it, they will listen to the gospel as we live it out during the trauma of our lives. It's one thing to be a Christian when everything is wonderful, but are you truly a Christian when all hell breaks loose against you? Remember, God is still in charge. Another note, another lesson, 2018 brand new year. It can be a year that God uses you powerfully as a way to demonstrate his glory, his, his, his majesty, his, his grace, his, his, his mercy. He, he can show that through your life to those that know you. But in order for that to happen in your life, you might have to go through some difficulties. So my question to you this morning is, Are you willing to be used for his glory or do you want to remain comfortable? There is a difference. If you're gonna be used for his glory, there's gonna be a lot of times you're not gonna be comfortable. And if all you want to be is comfortable in your life, then there's a lot of times you're not gonna be used for his glory. You cannot have one without the other. You see, being used by God means that you're no longer in control. But here's a newsflash, gang. You were not in control to begin with, okay? (laughs) So as we release these things to God, as we release our life to him, then he shows himself more completely through our lives. As we surrender control and we'll receive from him all that he's desiring to work in and through us. I wish I could tell you that once they made it there to Thessalonica, that everything went smooth. Oh man, they had a great church going, man, they had a great building program. Multitudes of people were coming to Christ, man, it was just great. They they had a wonderful, wonderful time, just a sweet and peaceful time with the Lord, with his people there in in the community, but that's not how it was. That's not how it was at all. As a matter of fact, it's almost just the opposite. Look here in in verse four of chapter 17. 
It says, and some of them were persuaded. And, and, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks were persuaded. These were Greeks who had been proselytized over to Judaism. They heard the gospel, and now they became Christians. And it says that not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Great times, revival breaking out. But, verse five, but the Jews who were not persuaded, they became envious, and they took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob and set all the city in an uproar, and they attacked the house of Jason, where, again, the church was meeting. And they sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Let me stop right there, a little side note. I wish at some point in time in the life of this church that the people of this community would say, those people that go to Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, they are messing up our community. We've had more bars closed. We've had less incidences of this or that because of those people there at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. Wouldn't that be a dynamic witness and testimony to Christ? That lives would really be changed in our community, be not turned upside down, but literally turned right side up. Well, they had Jason with them, and there in verse seven, they're saying that Jason has been harboring them. And these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, this Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And so when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Well, Paul, aren't you glad you came to Thessalonica? Nice, easy place to begin a ministry, to begin a work of God. Well, verse 10 tells us that the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Berea was just a short distance from Thessalonica. But when they arrived, here's Paul again, he went right to the synagogue of the Jews. One last thing I want you to see this morning. Even as Paul faced persecution, he didn't allow it to cause him to stop what he knew God was directing him to do in his life, to minister that hope of the gospel to the community, to the Jews first, then also to the Gentiles. A church had been birthed there in Thessalonica, but only through great tribulation and conflict. Paul was able to minister that hope to the believers in Thessalonica for only about three weeks, a little over three weeks. For three weeks, he was in the synagogue. Then they moved to Jason's house, only there probably for a very, very short time, short period of time that he was there. And then he and Silas had to slip away by night. And then they traveled on to Berea, but was there actually only for a short time until the non-believing Jews from Thessalonica, they heard that they were down in Berea and they came and they started more troubles there in Berea. After only being in Berea for a short time, he went on down then to Athens. You know the story of him preaching there to the philosophical folks there on Athens Hill. From there, he went on down to Corinth. He was actually able to spend a year and a half ministering in Corinth, encouraging and growing the church there. But while he was in Corinth, that's actually where he wrote the book of Galatians and the book of First Thessalonians. 
both First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. As a matter of fact, most uh, uh, theologians understand that First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, they were written pretty close together. And when we get into the books over these next few weeks, we're gonna see a lot of the similarities that are there. I share all of this with you, again, just to help you realize. It was only a matter of months, not even weeks, since Paul had that, that Macedonian call, that vision there in Troas, that he then went on over, began ministering there in Macedonia. He was there only a few weeks in Thessalonica. He began a church. He began to leave. Finally, from there he left, he coming down all the way to, to Corinth. The letter that he writes to the Thessalonians is filled with some memories of his time with them there, but there's no real major doctrinal issues, no particular stands against false doctrines in the book of 1 Thessalonians, other than the major focus, again, on the reality of the second coming of Christ. Some had come in and said, oh, Jesus has already returned. And some were fearful for those whose loved ones had passed away. What's gonna happen if the Lord hadn't come, but he's gonna come, and and they've already passed away. They anticipated that they would all be alive at that time. Well, Paul brings them back into peace, giving them instruction. We'll look at that when we get into the book. It's a letter encouraging the body of Christ to continue in faith, even in the face of persecution, to continue to walk worthy of God who calls him into his kingdom, into his glory, to endure that persecution and to walk in purity. To walk worthy, to endure persecution, to walk in purity. Guys, let me ask you, should it be any different for the church today? You see that message hits you and I too. We wait and we, we look forward to that great appearing of the second coming of Christ. The rapture of the church, I believe, happens first. But rather you believe in the rapture or not, that's not the issue this morning. The issue this morning, we look for the end of these days. These are the last days. I believe that the Lord Jesus is coming for his church first and after that, then the second coming. But that's a whole nother teaching we won't get into this morning. I believe that because the Thessalonian church believes so much in the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that that spurred them on to holy living and that gave them uh, the ability to stand in hope in the midst of all that was going on. Because of the problems that Paul received from the non-believing Jews in Thessalonica that he had to leave, you realize that that same persecution continued on in that church with that young body of believers that was there. And Paul tells a man, stand strong. The Lord is coming back. Keep walking in purity. Walk in a matter worthy of your calling. And church, that's what our call is today. Should the Lord tarry? I believe that the persecution against believers here in the United States is going to continue to escalate in an exponential way to where 10 years from now, we're not even gonna recognize what we have now. Because again, you look at today and the press against you and I standing for righteousness, declaring the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ is a lot different than it was 30 or 40 years ago. And I believe it continues to change. Are you willing to stand for Christ against all 
persecution against every trial? Are you willing to still trust in Jesus in the midst of conflict in your life, even if it's physical, financial, or relationship conflicts that come in your life? Do you still recognize that Jesus is our only hope and that your focus is on him? Walk your lives, live your lives out in a way that even your enemies and even the non-believers will see the reality of God and the hope of Jesus Christ in your lives. Amen. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. There's so much to learn from the pages of 1 Thessalonians, and we hope today's teaching from Pastor David has made you want to study further. You don't have to wait for us, though. Pull out your Bible and ask God to reveal His blessings and truth to you today in your personal study time. The Word provides all we need to develop our faith in the Almighty Creator and step out boldly to a world that needs Him. If you want to learn more about our ministry here at The Open Word, we'd encourage you to visit our website, theopenword.com. Before we leave you, Pastor David has a message to share with you. I can't even begin to tell you how honored I am to be able to share God's Word with you. Not only do I get to spend regular time in the Bible myself, but I then get to share the hope and the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's the best job I can think of. I also get to spend time praying for you. That's right, for you. I want you to know that you do matter to me, and even more so, you matter to the Lord. He wants to develop a a deep and lasting relationship with you, no matter what your past looks like. Today, I hope you make the decision to trust Him with all that you are. If you want to talk to someone further, please give us a call here at The Open Word. Our phone number is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. And again, hey, thank you for being a part of our listening audience here at The Open Word. Make us more.